Hey, and welcome to Let's Talk CPF, a podcast where we bring conversations on CPF to your ears. Brought to you by the CPF Board, this podcast will answer common questions, offer tips, and feature interviews with industry experts on CPF and financial planning. Thanks for listening and let's get straight into today's episode. Hi, welcome back to Let's Talk CPF. I'm Ethan from CPF Board. In this episode, we'll be discussing financial planning for self-employed person. In Singapore, about 1 in 10 workers is a self-employed person. It is a diverse community ranging from right-hailing drivers, hawkers, real estate agents, financial advisors, and freelance creatives in the arts and culture industry and so on. With us today is Dennis, a self-employed who juggles many hats, including being an actor, lecturer, and financial consultant. Hi, Dennis. Hi, morning. Morning. (laughs) So, Dennis, we know many choose the freelance route willingly to enjoy work flexibility, freedom to pursue passion projects. What about yourself? Why do you choose to be your own boss? Well, I like the flexibility. Um, I like the fact that I can choose projects whenever it comes. So, currently, I'm a freelancer. I would say that. Um, I focus on academia, uh, which is teaching. I also act and I do freelance financial planning for my clients and friends. Um, I wanted to uh, continue this mode of uh, working because, you know, it suits my lifestyle. And that uh, because I teach at four different institutions right now, I can take my time to teach. I can also take my time to uh, choose projects that I want to work on. And uh, I would say uh, this is a very good mode that I'm in right now in terms of uh, freelancing. Would you mind sharing some highlights of your journey as a freelancer? Uh, highlights would be when I took on a role with the theatre practice this February. So this was uh, sort of like the first foray into professional theatre acting. So I went into the rehearsals and whatnot. And, you know, we, we thought that we would be able to just perform many nights, you know, in fact, 30 nights uh, that was planned. Uh, but the COVID situation came <laughs> and uh, we have no choice but to just perform for two nights and that we have to just uh, postpone the show until next July. So that was one of the highlights that I felt that or it was truly uh, memorable for me because uh, we went through, you know, uh, days and nights of training. You know, we trained hard and that we knew that something might uh, come, you know, the big storm might come, you know, during the COVID situation. But we just persevere. We thought that we should be able to just stage it. But in the end, we couldn't. (laughs) So that was one highlight. One of the other highlights was that uh, during the whole uh, journey of uh, becoming a boss, I was able to start my own business. Yeah, so I started my own food massage business, which was something that I loved because I wanted to, to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to start a business that's close to my heart. <laughs> so in a sense, I felt that uh, food massage is something that I, I love and and. That's why I started that in 2012. So I went on to build up to three outlets for the entire eight years. So thankfully, I sold the business in January this year, just before the storm came. That would be a highlight for me. Wow. So so from your stories, well, being a freelancer, there's a lot of ups and downs. It can be exciting and fun, right? Mm. But one trade-off would be to give up the security of a monthly paycheck. So I understand that you started out as a salary worker and uh, later switched to freelancing. So would you mind sharing with us the biggest change you experienced? Well, uh, in fact, I 
worked for eight years uh, with a few MNCs and I was able to understand the corporate uh, work, right? Um, the kind of work that's involved in a corporate setting. So uh, f- after graduating from uh, my master's, I went to full-time work and I did regional marketing. So that was a lot of um, learning from scratch to get into the industry fast enough to, you know, learn the ropes, you know, of regional marketing and going into uh, markets like India, uh, Bangladesh, you know, uh, even Vietnam as well. Um, so I actually enjoyed the journey because I met a lot of close friends. Um, and then slowly I went on to other uh, you know, companies to do marketing as well. Uh, but after, you know, eight years, I felt that I was tired of, you know, the corporate life. Um, I felt that, you know, why was I working so hard to build someone else's <laughs> brand, you know? So then I told myself that I need to change, you know, after reading the book, Rich That Poor Debt, I look at the four quadrants and then I was amazed that, hey, actually I can earn money from different sources, um, not just as a, an employee, but as a self-employed as well. So that was when I started to uh, explore different uh, quadrants, you know. So I went to full-time teaching. So I went to Tamasic Poly uh, to teach full-time. At the same time, I told my boss that, hey, some uh, sometime down the road, I would start a business. And she said, yes, go ahead. So I was actually uh, doing full-time uh, lecturing. At the same time, I started my first business. Yeah, so the transition was uh, sort of uh, planned for in a sense. You know, I didn't plunge directly into entrepreneurship. Um, I went from more like a like an employee kind of a basis to a point where I became a lot more flexible mm-hmm. and I had uh, a lot of different uh, opportunities to sort of play out my own plan as well, to decide my own uh, journey in a sense. How do you ensure the financial security in this journey? During the eight years I save up, I spent on a car, which in retrospect I felt, oh, maybe that's like a liability. I shouldn't have uh, purchased that first. Um, and then when I went into uh, full-time lecturing, I was able to save up a good amount, which I then uh, invested into this business. So I spent around only 18000 to start a business. Of course, I have another partner that uh, put in another 18000 And with around 36000 we started the food massage business. Yeah, so I would say that uh, one should save up, you know, uh, in your earlier years, if you are an employee, right, whether it's for a house or for a business in the later years. Mm, like even property, because I guess that's also a milestone in life, right? Exactly. Yeah, so I would say to buy your property first, then buy your car. <laughs> but a lot of young people, they buy a car first and then property. Mm. And you got your property when you're a salaried worker? In the middle of it. So actually, I bought it when I was around 34. Mm. Yeah, so that was when I was uh, in the midst of a business, you know, um, managing the business and also doing full-time lecturing. Oh, okay. So multi-stream incomes to ensure that... Multi-stream, multi-stream. Yeah, back then. Then do you now mind wearing your hat as a financial advisor to share why is it important for freelancers to plan for their finances? Mm. I think this is a very, very important consideration when it comes to being a freelancer. In fact, I have a lot of friends who are freelancers themselves. My sister is a freelancer. (laughs) So I know the uh, trade-off being a freelancer while you can explore your craft, you know, your pursuits. At the back of our mind, right, we always think about our finances, right? That is a 
a, a real problem out there. So I guess as freelancers, while we want to really pursue our dreams, we should also be very pragmatic, right? We need to look at our finances, right? How much we have in our bank. So I think what is important is to really look at the big ticketed items, right? Rather, when, when I say the big ticketed items, I look at possible losses when it comes to certain situations. For example, hospitalization, mm. right? Or for example, loss of income due to disability, right? These are all situations that we cannot preempt or predict, right? So I guess um, from a freelancer standpoint, you need to protect these uh, aspects, mm. right? To make sure that all these areas are being protected, right? So that's why always, right, I like to give uh, this 4D number. Mm. Yeah, this 4D number is such that, um, you know, when you actually earn an income from any source, right, you need to make sure that you play the 4321 concept well. So I would say 40%, you should try to spend it on big ticketed items. Like for example, if you want to invest on electronics, mm. right? 30% will be on your daily expenses. That means your transport or, you know, just uh, dining in general. 20% would be on insurance and then 10% would be on your savings and investments. So the savings would include perhaps what you want to use it for in the near future. Yeah, so by large, I think if you can go with that rule, your journey of being a freelancer is uh, sort of not compromised or you're in a, that safe net in a sense. Mm. So on medical insurance, freelancers are likely not covered under any corporate medical or health plans, right? Um, and healthcare expenses is probably an important area which freelancers are concerned about. Uh, can you share with us how do you prepare for unexpected healthcare-related expenses? I think um, in Singapore for healthcare, the medical expenses are increasing, right? Due to a few reasons, right? One is uh, due to the inflation, right? Because I believe that, you know, uh, how much, you know, whatever we spend today is a lot more uh, expensive, right? As compared to maybe 10 years or 20 years ago. Uh, the other component is actually the general healthcare costs, right? So definitely the medical expenses are going to rise right in the near future as well. So it is important to protect oneself against uh, any sudden admission to hospital, right, due to surgery or any serious life-threatening illnesses or even long-term uh, chronic diseases. And I believe you also know that recently there's also a change in uh, critical illness definition, mm -hmm. right? So that has uh, sort of made a lot of people aware of the different definitions of critical illness. So I think uh, by and large, MediSafe, helps with our medical expenses. So one should also be aware that buying an integrated shield plan with Rider right, will allow the treatments to be done in the private hospitals. right. So depending on what kind of um, hospital treatment or environment that you want, all right, if not, you can just go for the most basic one, which is taken care by our CPF MediSafe. So let's say if we were to put a number to it, um, I understand for self-employed persons, they do contribute uh, CPF and it will be contributed to their MediSafe account, right? Uh, and on top of that, you mentioned about riders, you mentioned about potentially other insurance or so. So roughly a month, how much do you recommend freelancers to put aside for this sort of protections? For medical or insurance in general? Insurance in general. Mm. So depending on how much you earn, mm. <laughs> uh, Let's say if you earn uh, 3000 
then uh, 20% would be so 600. So 600 would be a good amount. But to some people, 600 is a high sum, all right? So uh, by and large, I would say if you earn 3,000, then maybe 300 to 400 would be a good sum to look at. Again, it depends on your status as well, right? If you are single, mm. right? then you should be looking at just your personal accident mm. and perhaps your hospitalization. But I would say if you have a family, right, if you have kids, then it is pertinent that you actually buy life insurance, right, because you are covering not for yourself, you're covering for your next of kin, right, which is uh, more often than not your children. Yeah, I think that's critical that you actually put in a higher sum for that. Mm-hmm. So besides healthcare costs, um, what about retirement planning? Uh, since they don't receive CPF contributions from employers already, uh, how can self-employed persons plan for when they eventually stop working? Mm-hmm. Retirement is definitely a notion that we don't think about until we reach there. So I think it's important that we start thinking about uh, retirement and what it means to us and what do we really want to do when we retire. So that's why uh, retirement planning is important. And that's why I think CPF has also uh, looked at that as a possible way of helping freelancers or even Singaporeans retire, right? Because of the CPF uh, payout, right? That we get after 65 years old. But by and large, I think Singaporeans don't think about retirement uh, as much as we hope Singaporeans would think about. But if we don't have any CPF, then uh, essentially we need to save Right. A lot of times we don't save, right, because we only look at short term, right? Um, so CPF in a sense is, I would say, a form of false savings. Right. So if I work for a company, then the company helps me to top up right, my CPF ordinary account and my special account. So it accumulates. All right. And then uh, suddenly then I realized, you know, after many years, if I'm working and I, oh, wow, my CPF account is like going up, you know. <laughs> but if we don't have any CPF and then we choose not to top up and then we don't even save, then it is uh, something that's more dangerous because as we grow older, if we, we reach 50 or 60, then we start to panic. Yeah. And realize that we've got nothing much left for old age. So I think if we choose to top up CPF, that is a kind of false savings mm-hmm. for ourselves. You know, and I think in terms of the interest rate, uh, it is also pretty, you know, I would say attractive, right? Because for OA, it gives us up to 3.5%. And for a special account, it gives us up to 5%, right? This, that's actually a very good rate, all right? So I guess by and large uh, in the market right now, there's also what we call the retirement savings plan that is offered by the insurers in Singapore as well. So if we want to force ourselves to, to save, then we can actually save for 10 years, Right, so some plans allow you to save for ten years, and then uh, you can actually get your retirement income when you reach sixty-five years old, all the way to eighty years old. Mm. So for their consideration, um, if it's CPF, that will be a form of forced saving. Beyond that, if they want to, they can also look at uh, retirement plans outside yes. the market. Yes. Right? Okay. So, do you subscribe to this theory personally? Sometimes when I go to you know, the hawker centre, I believe that you have seen a lot of the aged friends. Sometimes I also ponder, you know, how life might be when we reach that age, you know, whether we are mobile or whether we can still, you know, have a lot of activities, uh, whether we still can do the things we want, right? So nothing is for sure, right? So it is good to have some form of protection, right? So if I don't force myself to save now, 
right? I might regret when I reach uh, 65. And I think that most people have that mindset that everything will just happen as it is, right? We don't actually think too far ahead. So I guess uh, that's important in terms of knowing in our later years, what do we truly want in our lives? You know, how do we want to spend our later years? And I think, you know, with that, we need to look at finances. Yeah, so the finances will give us a baseline kind of consideration and protection. When the time is still at our side. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dennis. I guess today uh, we have covered quite a bit about a basic financial planning, your four, three, two, one on uh, spending, mm. as well as uh, insurance and planning ahead for retirement. So before we go, is there any last words you want to give to our listeners? I think it's not so much about financial planning. It's more about uh loving what you do and doing what you love. Yeah, so I just want to end off with uh, this message that um, everyone has that uh, propensity to do more or even to do things that they never have thought that they could do. Yeah, I, I guess at any point of time, you know, um, you can explore whatever you want. Uh, that's something that I always tell people, students and friends, that you sh you're not stuck with your current situation. And especially now with the pandemic, everyone is trying to think about uh, life, you know, in general. Uh, this is a good time to reflect upon our self-worth, our own living, why are we living in this world? And what do we want to do that can impact not just ourselves, but people around us? So love what you do, do what you love. Thank you so much, Thank Dennis. You. Thank you. With that, we have come to the end of Let's Talk CPF. Before you go, we would love to hear from you. Email us with your questions or comments at podcast at cpf.gov.sg so we can create better content for you. You can also leave us a review on the platform you're listening from to help others learn about our podcast. For the latest news, visit cpf.gov.sg slash podcast or follow our social media pages. Thank you once again. Until the next time, let's talk CPF.